another gorgeous day on planet earth and another day of dose of did you know where intriguing inspiring unique individuals come to talk love and life and how it's brought them to where they are today and with me is one of my favorite people longtime friend miss lbr how are you i am wonderful but getting better thank you how are you I am fantastic. So before we continue on just chatting and learning a little bit about who you are and why you do what you do, tell the world, who is LBR? Well, it's funny. People have a lot of fun with that acronym. We've heard, listen, buckle up and relax. We've had LBR, let's be real. I don't, but it's <laughs> On another hilarious note, someone this morning referred to me as an emotional support animal, albeit, yeah, that was hilarious, albeit not a docile one, more of like a Navy Team SEAL 6 prowess emotional support animal. So I found that humbling, hilarious, and also high praise. But I'll say that I do believe I help people understand that everything's going to be all right. And everything really is all right. And we should celebrate life. Eat the food, drink the wine, put on the bikini if you want, dance the dance, have the romance, kiss the boy, kiss the girl, live your life now, pandemic, whatever externals are going on, the time to live is now, the time to love is now. And don't let the turbulence, you know, I always say everything for me is about flying. Years ago, I did my student written pilot's exam and was doing all that. So everything is always analogous to a plane for me. But I, I like to be the one who says, let me sit next to you when the turbulence comes. Because I want to be the one who tells you everything is really all right. And life, it, you're, you're alive. So you're all you're all right. Don't let external. So I think the biggest part of me, other than the initials, you know, that everyone has fun with those. What does LBR stand for? And they make up all these fun. It's a good party game, right? A dinner party. <laughs> but I think it's it's getting people to understand that things are all right and the time to live is now. Getting people excited about life. Now, how do you get to be that? That's like a very, you know, that's taking on a lot. That having that presence within yourself to do that is one thing, right? That takes a lot of energy and can be exhausting. But then to just graciously give it to the world too, how do you do it? Well, I think when we give, we get more. So I think in a way it's a little selfish. I don't think it's as altruistic as people make it out to be because as flattering as it would be to think that, oh, we're giving so much and we helped people so much. I really think we get a lot more from that. And I know years ago when I was a part-time adjunct professor with college students teaching public speaking and mass communications in tandem with private chefing and conducting wine tastings. And when I did that, watching students on the college level, a lot of them refugees from Sierra Leone and Bulgaria and and who had seen real struggle. I mean, we yeah. think no struggle, but these people had seen their brother's arms chopped off. They had seen, you know, things come in with, with war mm. and it was just horrifying. And English was not their first language for a lot of them. And I'm asking them to get up without any notes and give these oratorical fiery speeches. And so coming back to feeling it within yourself is one thing, if you can, pay that forward and watch somebody stand up and feel proud and mm -hmm. feel 
strong and see them take a language that isn't even theirs or see them come from turmoil and tumult and ilk and find the glory and the pride. And they were so grateful to be in America. They were so grateful to have an education. They were so grateful to have a chance to use their voice or for someone to listen to their story. So for me, I get a lot more gain. Maybe it's selfish. I get a lot more gain by empowering someone else and letting them be the one on camera, letting them be the one standing up. That, you know, let me sit next to you and teach you the turbulence is all right. And if I can do that and you can actually feel safer and feel stronger, then that just took me to the big, it's one of these. Yeah. Do you find, because if people have followed you and, you know, do you find that by you just putting your soul out there? Because really, if they have followed you through the years, they will understand that you just lay it all out. All bits and pieces come out. You, you know, that gives people the permission to say, okay, it's okay. Yeah, you know, it gives them a lot of latitude to say whatever they want to say. You know, you're you're going to have with that people who you're very nice to and you do a lot for and they're not very nice to you. You're going to have people who can't believe how much time you gave them and they're going to be so grateful. You're going to have all that. You're going to have people who don't understand you and find you frightening and off the wall. But I do think that for me, I'm an all or nothing person. And so I have to immerse, as I say, I can't put a baby toe in and do everything I do, whether it's food, which is, you know, I'm very food centric and passionate, it's a big part of my life, always has been healthful, exotic food, not just any food, but I can't put one toe in and say, here's a little food, stand up in the kitchen and eat. It has to be with candelabra and music and, and the linen and the plate and, and it has to be bacchanalian and hedonistic. And it's the same thing with anything that I do. What is that expression that how we do one thing is how we do everything? And yeah. there is merit in that, that I think if you want to know, like look at their little habits, look at how they are with anything. And so I do put it all out there that opens up a lot of room for people to decide, is it for them? Is it not? But also they're going to get the full Monty. They're not going to get me half-heartedly doing anything that I don't do. I, I will say no before I will do it lightly. I'm not, I don't play lightly. I don't do small well. No, you don't. No, you don't. I want to talk about, I feel like you're very, you have taught me so much about food. I got to go into this food thing just for like a, a second. Where did it come from? Because it's not like when you say it's very healthy, it is very delicious, but it is very exotic. I, I feel like I, I want that. I want to like kind of get in your brain and be like, oh, how can I do this at home? Never turns out the same way. Just so you know, LBR, never. I've tried. I cannot funnel you into me enough to make it and you've taught me yes. you come over and we've we've ate and we've you know you've showed me how you put these miraculous pieces of art basically that i eat together and we drink and we have fun and we and we, but where did that come from and where did you, i want to know where it came from and on a side note how did you take it to that level of exotic well, it's interesting. When I was six years old, I asked my parents in rural Vermont, no less, for octopus and frog legs to eat. 
and some kids want to play with frogs. I wanted to eat them. Right. So all of the vegans right now are screaming, I'm sure, listening to this. But if feel better. My mother is a plant-based whole food person. I love you all anyway. We all can eat different things and still get along. I'm not, I don't throw people out. So I don't care how you vote. I don't care how you eat. I care if you're kind. I care if you're, and I care if you're who you say you are. If you do what you say, yeah. that's what I care about. Uh, and if you're a good hugger, you know, that. Those are the, <laughs> but that being said, I was six years old. I asked my parents for frog legs and octopus to eat. We're in rural Vermont. They're middle-income people, both working. Uh, they were fresh out of frog legs and octopus. That was not. But to their credit, and this was before the internet, you couldn't just Google where's the nearest place to eat octopus. Yeah. But they went out of state when they could, and they tried to give me exposure to these things. And they tried to foster and uncork this curiosity and this palate and interest from their little precocious gourmand. And to their credit, I really got the bug and was interested, not the bug as in it wasn't any dysentery or anything, but I was very interested and I was very curious and inquisitive. And so by the time I was in my teens, I would barter with my parents to be taken to gourmet restaurants in reward for winning speech tournaments. And so public speaking and food started working in tandem where if I win this debate and if I win the next championship, can I go to this crazy restaurant where they have chocolate butter and, you know, and, I, and they have whole trout with the heads on and the skin. And I was, you know, 13 or, and I just thought, and I'm, all of the other kids competing in speech, I don't think they asked their parents yeah. to do that fit. No. So my parents encouraged it. And then that became the passion that wherever I went, or if there was a birthday, it wasn't, can I have a stereo? Or could I get a car? It was, could I be taken to the four star? You know, I was so fascinated with the food and the wine. And I was allowed at age 10 to have a very small glass of wine with the family at dinner. And now, of course, the glass is bigger and the <laughs> better. But I I did get a palate and a penchant for that. And so I would say that my parents saw the curiosity, but instead of shutting it down, they went with it. And as mm -hmm. a result, I got the green light to explore it. And then it became a part of me. I never knew the story about the connection of your speaking and your eating. I think I've heard like one and the other, but never that how that came about. Well, fascinating. And my my main squeeze there, Travis from Oscar Mike Radio. She will not give you the best oatmeal raisin cookie recipe, but yes, the grilled octopus, all in. Like, I love it. Yes, so all in for um for that. So tell me a little bit because you've had a uh, uh, you haven't had a traditional life, let alone what you just told us, which is not traditional, especially in Vermont. <laughs> I mean, you need some Birkenstocks and socks. Right. Birkenstock, whatever that is. Right. And it's funny, it's funny, my biggest hate in life, and hate is not a good word, and a lot of people say don't even use it, but I'll use it because I'm an extremist, so I'm either one way or the So I love and I hate, I don't have any shades of gray, not even the movie. I'm probably the only woman who doesn't find the movie liberating or whatever. So <laughs> big gray, no, no shades of anything. It's black or white with me. But uh, you mentioned socks and Birkenstocks and... 
I hate wearing socks. That is my biggest hate in life. And it's very serious. And I take it first. I don't own socks. I don't, um, for a little while, I tried spinning, um, you know, in, in uh, yeah. and I had to get tight leggings that won't get locked in the wheels. I had to get special shoes and I had to get socks. And on my last day of spinning, which now was almost two years ago, I, could, I couldn't wait to throw away all of the socks. And I just, I hate the restriction. I need all my toes open. So warm weather, open-toed shoes, no socks. So I had to just interject with that, that you mentioned jokingly the Birkenstocks and socks. Life without socks would probably be the name of my book or the name of one thing. Oh, I think it actually, that's a great, well, you are the woman of words. I mean, I could listen to you speak all day long. I think that's a great name for your book because it is so you because socks are confining and restrictive and they're like at the but they're holding you they're at the base of what holds you up right yeah. and to have this like oh yeah life without i like that too i like because it's really about not having restrict i don't like to be in the lines i don't want to be restricted yeah. let me do what i'm gonna do but don't put socks on it yeah. But all the toes have to go the same way, and so does my spirit, you know. So, yeah. so, to, I, but I, I want to go back a little bit because you have had, besides the socks and growing up in Vermont, which you do not look like no one will ever guess. That's a great party game. Where was I born? Where do you see me? Vermont right. will not be um, a winner ever. No. No. But moving forward, you've had, you know, things in your life that have happened that have kind of brought you to where you are. And for you to still have this heart, this pure heart, this giving heart without the restriction of the socks on your soul is quite amazing. And I think there's some value and lesson that should be shared of um, maybe some secret, some secrets of how you didn't let life. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I definitely think that we, of course, have that opportunity with everything that happens to decide to be miserable or, or not. And I think it's a Maya Angelou quip that just because you have pain doesn't mean you have to be one. And so I think all of us, you know, we all navigate pain. We all navigate. Some of us navigate it physically. Some of us navigate it emotionally. You know, you do so much incredible work with veterans, which I'm so, again, I'm so grateful to be here. It is so exciting because I'm so proud of you. I love you. I'm mm -hmm. proud of you and all that you do, but no one works more laboriously, indefatigably, tirelessly with veterans and all that you do. But through the veteran work, you see a lot of PTSD, certainly. You see a lot of woundedness and all of us have that too in in myriad forms, albeit different ones. And I think that in my case, you know, as you referenced, I, as a taken survivor, I experienced the harrowing, just by a hair escaped the harrowing throngs of international sex trafficking many years ago when I was 28 and answered an ad in a well-known publication, very respected publication, went over to a job on the other side of the world in Athens, Greece. A job wasn't there when I arrived and readily I met other men where they connected to these people, who knows, maybe, maybe not, but I was convincingly coaxed, met their families, to stay on in Greece, that they would befriend me. And when a certain mogul was in town and a transaction could be made, I was taken, put in a car, put on a plane, flown to the north of Greece near a border. A license plate was being changed. I was going to be driven across. And that would have been the torturous, diabolical end of me and death. 
And by the grace of God, somebody was looking out for me on what was the luckiest day of my life. And in a moment of time, I chose to run. And the only reason I had the opportunity to run was because I acquiesced and convincingly tried to convince the men that I'll do what they want and I'll, I'll, and so they were able to turn their head and think that the silly American doesn't have any idea or whatever, but of course I had an idea and thank God I got out. So to answer your question about having had this interesting life to say the least, but choosing that one of the things I could have said was why me and why happened to me and how could this happen to me? And I never have said that. I've always said, why not me? Why not me? Maybe I am someone who can teach this better than someone else could. Maybe I can be a translator of awareness. Maybe it makes me a better version of me because it gives me insight to something. Maybe it'll make me take care of myself better than I would have. Would Why not me, God? Why not? And so that's a very different, I think, uh, perspective perhaps or angularity on our struggles that we don't have to look at our struggles and say why am I plagued with this we can say well why shouldn't I be uh, why don't I deal with it then and why don't I find the best way to jump in and I think that if anyone can even take a little of the why me and change it to why not me you get a little stronger just from changing the language and the paradigm and the narrative, or I have felt that a little bit. And and we all can fall privy into that victim, uh, yeah. indulgent pity party mentality. And whenever I have those moments, I sort of pinch myself and say, no, no, uh, why should, who are you not to have, you know, this is what you experienced. Don't say why me, just say, why not me? What can I do with it? What is it teaching me? What can I teach others about it? And now, I'm excited to take that to film, to take that to written pages. And so there's a lot of work that I now begin liaising with screenwriting people to really do some good with it and see if yeah. I that out in a powerful, smart way. Mm. I think you said it. I oh, Sometimes, you know, when you say something and then you hear it back, I just had this conversation about the words you use have power. Be careful of how you speak think about it yeah. because it, and, and you just said and I think that is one of the secret little sauces is why not you that's not saying I if this is a great thing and I let's do it again oh. this is just saying that because and you this is one of yours God does not give you what you right. can't handle Right. You know, we're perfectly placed for here for a reason. So by adding on to that, well, why not me? Exactly. Because I've made it. I'm here. Right. Now what? That right. gives you the now what? That next step. Yes. And so I hope that it, and, it, and everybody's trauma is different. Everybody's drama is different. And so the next time you, the next time anyone listening has anything, whether it's a small moment, I always say that. Our struggles can't be compared. You know, when people say, oh, I've experienced this, but not like what you went through. No, it doesn't work like that. It's not that I had more struggle or you had. It. I don't believe, I don't look at it that way. We all have things that are very deep wounds to us. And we all have a growth and, and God 
doesn't get it wrong. And so there, there's a mission and a journey for all of us. And it behooves us each to dig down deeply and figure that out. But I think regardless of what it is and who, who it is, we all can say, why not me? And yeah. just try it because, and I always say to people, try saying why me for 10 minutes and being depressed and try saying, why not me? Who am I not to experience pain? Who am I not to be challenged? Who am I not to stand up stronger? Who, why not me? And it doesn't yeah. mean you like it. And it does not mean what happened was good, <laughs> but it means, or that it was lawful or that it was right. And it does not mean you hope there's more pain. It <laughs> means that I'm not going to play the victim even if I was victimized, it does not mean I have to identify with being a victim. I still can rise up from it and say, why not me? So I think that's a big, that is a big part of my silent life. You know, when people see you, they see, they see us publicly, they see us posting, they see us, but the things they don't see is that there's a lot of that self-talk and that's my inner compass, I guess, to navigate daily vicissitudes mm -hmm. of life with grace or what I hope is grace. Yeah. I think it is. And that is a great, thank you for sharing that because listening to you, I'm like that, that is a key. That is a key component that we forget of how we talk. We um, all, I'll do. And I do too. And I have to say, no, 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 no. Why <laughs> not me? Why not, not today. Right, not today. So you have some great things that we can um, look forward to, which I cannot wait because everything um, you do is, it is, it's all, it's all or nothing and it's always fantastic and it's always captivating. So this will be fun to see what is emerging. Um, we will, when, when it's time, right. when it's time, we will be back and announce it. I love um, it. Love it. And now I want to write this book about life without socks and all about my own personal story of unrestriction. Now you've convinced me to write that one. So I'll add that. to. Now you made my list longer. Thank you. I'm good for that. I'm good for that. I can write. You see things outside of what other people can't see. Yeah. I'm like, this is needed. Selfishly, it might be needed for me. Right. I'm just saying because I, I can, you know, sometimes yeah. I'm self-motivated. You just gave me more work, but that's what you do. You, you kick you kick our butts in a good way and you get us to do more work and that's good. It's good. It always, it always is perfectly placed. That's what we're each here for. You are perfectly placed in my life, vice versa. Fun story is that she, we met because I reached out to you. I followed, I stalked her. LBR for a while. And then when I was merging into speaking and, and having this on my heart, I was like, I want the best. Like I, when I go to the hairdresser, I want the best hairdresser when I get you right. Like, or whatever. So I'm like, who is in my world? God, please put someone in my path that can help me with this. And whoop, there you were. I reached out. You graciously said yes. And, and you were the start of of all of that. So thank you. Well, thank you. I'm so grateful. And again, you know, no one takes journalism to the glamorous level you do, but <laughs> it work with veterans. And I think, and, and that's another question, I guess I know the questions are supposed to be for me, but I wonder how do you balance in all your time with everything you do? Do you have a secret? I have to know about balancing all this time. How do you make time for everything? Because you do so much. I mean, that's mm. all about time management, I guess. Maybe you just have to really get organized. I don't know. That's it. It's organization. And, and I'm a paper girl. 
I think we're too computerized and we lose a sense of a little sense of reality and 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 our balance what's important what's not because it's just on this like screen it's not tangible at all so i like to i have to feel the paper i want to see it i want to physically take my hand and write with a, a pencil i like pencil like yeah. write down and then i'm like it just I, that's it i think it's the pen and paper or paper and pencil you have old-fashioned lists with paper not just on notes on a phone or something you no, have, yeah that's so good that's i think there's something because you also see it in front of you you can touch it you can you know it's really it's tangible it's yeah. Yeah. i think everything has energy yes that's putting that's that makes a lot of sense now i don't feel so badly for drawing on a desk or whatever it is but <laughs> great tip i i like that they really go back you know we've lost a lot of that in the modern culture also mm -hmm everything is hashtags and speaking in LOL or, or text. Yeah. We've lost a lot of the old-fashioned communication, tactile notes, letters, old-fashioned letters, all of it. So there's mm -hmm. a place for everything, the modern and the antiquated methods as well. It's, it is. Balance. Yes, yes, yes. It, goes, uh, uh, it ripples into every part of your life, as we talked about, even down to scheduling how you want to get everything done. I love that. I love that. And I think that, and I really take a lot, I took a lot from that today because I will take away the fact that when you can see it and touch it, and as you say, energy, everything has an energy. So when you have it on paper, when you have it taped to your wall, when you, I mean, it's, if we go back to some of what we did before we were typing into phones and notes, it really reminds you also differently. It's in front of you. It's on your mirror. It's it's different. It's different. You just taught me a wonderful. I love that. I love getting little tips and little little hacks. I guess they're called or whatever they are. But little. Yeah. It is so. Ah. Oh. Thank you so much, LBR, for spending time with me, Thanks. sharing a little bit about your story and a little bit of how you persevered, how you became and have the strength, not just for yourself, to live in that, you know, I like to say that like God, purity, like leading with love place, but also having the strength to give it to others. So thank you for that. But before I let you go, I ask that you answer this last question with the first thing that comes to your mind, because that is what is on your heart in this moment right now. What does love mean to you? Oh, I well, I would say love is the reminder that we are not alone. Mm -hmm. And for me, the biggest love in my life right now is God. And so that is certainly a reminder that you are never, ever alone because yeah. God is with you in the good times and especially in the not so good times. Mm -hmm. And a wonderful man who I respect, who you may be Facebook friends with, but I'll credit him because I like to credit any quote or word, Rob Tappan. I don't know if you're friends with him mm -hmm. on Facebook. But if not, you can look him up and be friends with him. He's a lovely man in Florida. He's a real estate agent. So we'll give a plug for Rob to sell you a house. But he's a very God-loving, lovely, lovely man. And he said to me this quote, that he, his quote that I, I re-quote and credit him, God will never ghost you. Mm. So the next time anyone out there is upset about the boy who didn't text back or about the girl who didn't text back or the business team 
waiting to hear or the irresponsible person who didn't do what they said they'd do with it. You know what? God will never ghost you. You are never alone. And to me, love is the reminder that you are never alone. And so know that it is one of these. God is all around you, with you, within you, above you. It, you know, you are of God. And when we can remind ourselves of that, mm -hmm. there's no need to be self-indulgent with the sadness of feeling alone and lonely because you're not alone. God is with you. Mm. That goes back to another conversation exactly how like something that has been on my heart to a new extent right like i feel like you we accomplish something internally and then we build from that so it's the same lesson it's just deeper permeating in our bones and it is exactly that when you fully know that god is with you you no longer fear right that's the Oh, that's very true. It doesn't mean you don't have stress, but stress can be a good thing. It's just how you, but you're right. If you understand that God doesn't get it wrong, everything is happening the way it's supposed to. Why not me? God will never ghost you. God is with you. Suddenly, when the person doesn't write back, you realize then that isn't what was supposed to be happening. Yeah. If it changes and if it's supposed to happen, it will, but I think I better move on because to dwell on that, it. so when you trust that, ev everything changes, everything, mm -hmm. and you don't matriculate in this. That's why I say, let me sit next to the person on the plane who's afraid of the turbulence because I, I want them to enjoy the flight and let mm -hmm. me do what I can do. And I, I would like to be humbled enough to believe that I can help them enjoy the flight. And we're on that flight of life we're on that flight of life right now. So enjoy the flight. Don't let this external bump stuff get you down. God is with you. Enjoy the flight. And whatever is supposed to be will be. So to worry about it is only to empower the negative anyway. So yeah. So yeah, but it, it wonderful stuff. But what a treat. You're such a treat. I love coming on your show because you're so compelling and it's always good energy and it's just a treat. It's one of these, as I say. Mm, well, as I said, you have my heart. Have a beautiful rest of your day. And to everybody else that is out there, remember as always, love hard, love pure, and love proactive. Until next time, take care. Ciao, ciao. Thank you.